Well, this is a, what we've been referring to as a kind of liminal season for sanctuary. This is, liminal seasons are marked by a kind of ambiguity. They're marked by a bit of uncertainty, unknowableness, right? And in liminal seasons, these in-between spaces, the only thing we have a lot of clarity about is our past. The only thing we're certain about is where we came from and what was behind us. And if we're not careful, we can actually develop a pretty unhealthy relationship with our past. We start to get nostalgic in a way. We start to always think about those days that are behind us as the glory days, and it can actually fog our ability to move forward as a community. It can actually prevent us from moving together faithfully as the people of God. And every transition, we experience a season of separation. We experience a season of liminality, which is where we are now. And eventually, if we're patient enough, and if we hold out just long enough, we will actually find ourselves moving into a reorientation, understanding who we are, understanding where we are going. But we have to ask a couple of important questions. We ask ourselves, well, who are we? We ask ourselves, who are we here to serve? And we ask ourselves, who and what is God calling us to do or to become next? This is what I want to spend a few minutes on today. How do we know what God is saying to us? How do we discern this kind of next step in our lives? We have this odd text in the Gospels, not the one that we just read, but another text in the Gospels where Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, or my sheep hear my voice. And I don't know much about sheep, but I have a dog. <laughs> we borrowed some goats once from some friends of ours. Yeah, I love that she just raised her hands right away. <laughs> Um, we borrowed some goats, so I don't have a lot of experience with livestock, but I do have a dog. When we first got our dog, they said it's really important that you get your dog to react to his name. Make sure that he knows his name. And so you play this thing called the name game. Some of you know what I'm talking about, where every time you say your dog's name and they turn and give you their attention, you give him a treat. So our dog's name is Grover. And the first day we went to a lesson, they're telling us, okay, be sure that Grover knows his name. You want to play this name game with him and also never use his name to shame him. Well, right out of the gate, this was a problem for us because <laughs> the only time we called our dog by his name is when he's done something wrong. And so the only time we ever said Grover wasn't Grover, it was Grover. Have you seen these dog word mats, these buttons that these dogs go and they press them when they're trying to communicate something to you? It's a little terrifying to know just how much dogs understand. I think they say that dogs can understand something like 500 words. Like that's like the size of their vocabulary, which is pretty impressive. But even with understanding 500 words, for most of what we say to our dogs, 
they just pick up a a few key things, right? Like treat or walk or outside or no. (laughs) This is so much of our relationship with God, how we end up listening to God, that we have a few key things that we feel like we can pick up on and understand. But for the most part, what God is saying to us, because God is always speaking to us, we pick up on just so little of it. God is so communicative. God is always speaking and revealing God's self. And we know this through scripture. We know this through our own experiences. We know this through being a part of the community of faith, that God is speaking to us. God is never short on words, but at best, we can only pick out a handful of words of what God is saying to us. So we're not talking about the medium today. We're not going to talk about the ways that God speaks to us. We know that there are all kinds of ways that God speaks to us. But what I want to talk about today is how we know, how we discern the voice of God apart from all of the other voices in our lives. How can we pick out what it is that God is saying to us over and against all of these other messages that are coming and competing for our attention? And part of it, what I want to suggest today, is learning to recognize the sound of God's voice. Recognizing what God's voice sounds like, the tone of God's voice. Not just the things that God says to us, but the way that God says them. God's voice is actually pretty limited in this story. But toward the end, God does speak, and he's responding to Job. So let's look at it real real quick. This is Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And he says to Job, gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Now, what's he saying? I've got some questions for you, Job, and you're going to give me some answers. But can you imagine God of the universe, the one who creates and sustains all things and holds everything in its being, saying to you, gird up your loins like a man, because we're about to have a conversation. If you don't think that's supposed to be funny or playful, you've completely missed the point of this text. Remember, Job is someone that God likes. And this is how God speaks to people that God likes. There are people all all throughout scripture, like Job, like Moses, where they, they love this wrestling with God, this playful kind of banter between them in God, that there's something about people like Moses, people like Abraham, that always wants this back and forth with God. And God wants that from us. God desires this from us because God likes the playfulness. The biggest difference between Job's friends and Job that we see in this text is that Job's friends have all of this theology. Right? They have all these things that they know about God. But Job is the one that knows God and is known by God. 
God wants this kind of relationship. And the more you get to know how God operates in that way, it's the playfulness of God drawing you into that kind of intimacy. If you have any questions about whether or not this is true, that the tone of, tone of God's voice is playful, just look at Jesus. Look again at our gospel text today. It says, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself, goodness, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, this is the first part that's supposed to be funny because they're standing there post-resurrection talking about what's just happened on the Emmaus road. Remember what happens on the Emmaus road, that Jesus shows up as a stranger to two of his own disciples and he starts to pretend as if he has no idea what's just happened in the past few days. And so they start, can you imagine, they start explaining it to Jesus, what's just happened. And I have to wonder, like, did Jesus act surprised? Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> say it isn't so. <laughs> and so then, of course, they go along and they're talking and then the disciples stop. And it says, Jesus, he acts as if he's going to go on, which means he didn't really plan on moving on. And so they say to him, whoa, whoa, whoa why, don't, why don't you stop with us for a minute? And then, of course, we know the rest of this story that Jesus breaks bread, their eyes are opened, and they recognize him, and then he disappears. And so, again, they're talking about all these things, talking about, oh, my goodness, we didn't even recognize him. But then here he shows up. He breaks the bread. We see that it's Jesus. We understand that our hearts were burning as he was telling us about the scriptures. And then... Jesus is there. Hey, peace be with you. And they freak out. They were startled. They were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. And he goes, why are you frightened? Don't people just pop into your homes all the time? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? And he says, look at my hands and feet. See that it is me. Touch me and see. And so while they're investigating all of this, in the middle of this moment where this person has just appeared before them, showing them his hands and his feet, he goes, ah, you got anything to eat? <laughs> like, come on. Jesus is just messing with them at this point. This is something of the playfulness of God's voice. Think about... There's this playful way that God relates to his children. Parents, we understand this. Uncles and aunts in the room, we understand this. If you can't wrap your head around why God would be playful with his children, let me ask you, why do you wrestle with your kids? All of these moments in the scriptures where there's this tension. Think about Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. The point of that story is not because the angel of the Lord is going to show this guy who's boss. I mean, how silly would that be? This isn't like none of us are strong enough to actually come out on top with an angel or with God himself. The point isn't the conflict. The point is this tumbling kind of intimacy. I don't grab my two-year-old son and throw him across the room to be like, see, I'm the big dad in the room. No, the point is to touch him, to tumble with him. This intimacy with him, this is something of the playfulness 
of the voice of God. The point is not for God to dominate, for God to win. The point is intimacy. This is part of how we are wired as human beings. Did you know this? That the parts of our brains that fire when we see like a cute baby and we all at once, we see this thing of cuteness and we want to squeeze it (laughs) or we want to bite the cheeks of this baby. The same parts of our brain that register cuteness is the same part of our brain that registers aggression. There's something about this intimacy that God desires with us, even when it looks like tumbling, even when it looks like squeezing these fat baby legs. There's an intimacy and a playfulness to God's voice. These are the ways that God speaks to us, in ways that are tender, in ways that are playful, and in ways that are other. This is one of the most obvious but also ambiguous characteristics of God's voice, the otherness of God's voice. How often in the Gospels and in our own lives do people come to Jesus with a question? Is it A or is it B? And Jesus rejects the premise of the question altogether. So many of these moments where Jesus is like, thank you for coming. Thank you for asking the question. The question is way off base. Let me say something else entirely. This is the otherness of God's voice that comes to us. The voice of God that nudges us, that draws us away from these really unhelpful, binary, dualistic, A or B ways of thinking. God doesn't take sides like that. Yours or anybody else's, God invites us into a new way of seeing. God invites us to be a new creation, a new humanity that asks better questions and different questions than we could ever come up with on our own. The voice of God is that nudging, and God is for us, as Paul says, not against us, But God is not for me over and against anyone else. God's advocacy of me as Father Paul never comes at the detriment of somebody else. God being for me doesn't just validate my opinions, doesn't just validate those things that I believe are true and my being right. God is for me, for other people. This strange Strange text in Joshua 5. It says, Once when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you one of us or one of our adversaries? He replied, Neither, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, what do you command your servant, my Lord? The commander of the army of the Lord said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. 
he looks up and sees a man and says, are you for us or are you somebody who is against us? And the response from this stranger is, neither, and the ground you're standing on is holy. There's something about our refusal to buy into these kinds of categories, this us and them categories. Are you for us? Are you against us? That when we understand how to reject this way of thinking, this kind of posture toward the world, it creates spaces that are holy. And this is what the voice of God does to us and for us. It shows us the way that we buy into this kind of thinking all the time. And it invites us into a new way of being, a new way of seeing the world, and a new way of being oriented to one another. Here's the point. We need to be suspicious of the voices in our head that simply validate our own opinions. I'm better, I'm smarter, I'm right, they're wrong. God's voice is the one that pushes past simply validating us and helps us to move toward one another. We've often said at Sanctuary that we feel called to have a voice in the city of Tulsa. I've said it, Bishop Ed has said it, you've heard it said from not this platform, but any platform where we happen to be standing. And I'll admit, I've said this without really knowing what I mean when I say this, <laughs> that we have a voice in the city of Tulsa. What does that mean? The New Testament text for today, it's this reminder that we are God's children. It says, see, this is out of 1 John 3, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed, but then he says, what we do know is this. When we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. This text oftentimes gets interpreted through this eschatological lens, this kind of end of all things lens, that when we see God in eternity, we will be made like God. But when we know God's voice, the tone of God's voice, we are transformed. And our tone, our posture, our orientation and openness toward the world becomes one that is tender. It becomes one that is playful, one that doesn't take ourselves too seriously. And a voice that is other. A voice that refuses these binary dualistic A or B, us or them ways of thinking about the world. We need to discern God's voice so that we can carry God's voice into the world. And when we hear God, when God is revealed, we will be like him, as the text says. We will see God as God is. We will recognize God and be transformed into God's likeness. This is the promise of this text. 
that the more we hear God's voice, the better we carry God's voice. So when we say that here at Sanctuary Church, we have a voice in the city of Tulsa, it's a voice that is tender. It's a voice that refuses to take ourselves too seriously, a voice that's playful, and a voice that is other. Whatever our future looks like, as we travel through this in-between liminal space, let us be people rooted in tenderness, rooted in playfulness, rooted in otherness. And it will be grounded in an understanding that even though God is for me, it doesn't mean God is against you. Amen.